Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. You can be seated. I uh, realized as we were singing that uh, I haven't introduced you to uh, Jorge Navarro, who's been playing our keys. Uh, he's doing a great job. I know he's coming around. But I know if I, didn't, if I didn't think to thank him now, I'd forget later on. So when you see Jorge, tell him thanks for joining uh, in our band doing a great job. They threw him in the mix uh, just a few weeks ago, and he's, he's picked it up great, and so we're really thankful for him. Let's pray together. Father, thank you now uh, for the chance to turn to your word. We recognize the power it has in our lives and uh, the way you have transformed so many of us through your word. God, we thank you that that work is still ongoing, that you are still at work, and you have not left us um, to just guess at who you are and the work you intend to do in our lives, but you have given us your word. God, may it continue to feed us, build us up, strengthen us, uh, convict us, tear out sin. May it continue to empower us and send us out. Lord, we know that apart from your work, your word, the spirit who enlivens your word and speaks into our hearts, God, apart from you, we would have nothing. So God, use now your word, uh, even as we've read it, and now proclaim it. God, may your word be at work mightily today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Perhaps you've recognized like I have that every single advertisement we see right now is about one of two things, either a gym membership or a diet. Anybody else noticing that? Everything I see is, seems to be one of those two things. And uh, those can be good things. I, I, I think those are good, good things for you to do. But I uh, also laugh at the way this kind of flips and flops from time to time. So in one of those things, I got sucked into reading an article about sugar. Perhaps you are further along in understanding this than I am. But we, uh, we apparently, according to this article, and that's probably true, we add sugar to everything in our American diet, like even bread we add sugar to, and ketchup. There's sugar and ketchup. I didn't know that. You know, I don't know. But uh, they were, they, this one article was making the point that decades ago, the sugar industry funded a lot of studies that proved how bad fat is for our diet, which is apparently true. You can have too much fat in your diet. But sugar companies really wanted to make sure we knew how bad fat was so that we paid attention to fat content. We didn't pay attention to sugar. And so that we got sugar more and more in our diet over the last few decades. My question when I got to the end of the article was, I wonder if all the companies who produce fatty foods convinced this person to write this article about how bad sugar was. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. No, probably both are bad, and we should eat better, and we all, we all know that. Because we know that what goes into our bodies affects us. We, we know that if we eat bad meals, uh, it, it just affects the way we live. Maybe that's just we didn't notice that when we were younger, but maybe as we age, our, as our metabolism slows down a little bit, uh, as we get older, we recognize the importance of good things going into our bodies, and it makes a big difference. And of course, that goes far beyond just 
phys our physical bodies and our, the food that we eat. What we consume, the things that, that we consume, the things that go in us, affect us in major ways. Whether that's the endless scrolling or the always-on TV or the never-ending news cycles that are always urgent and late-breaking, there's just so many things that we can be consuming and they all affect us in some way or another. We are affected by the things that we consume. Our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirit, our emotions, all of that is affected by what we take in, what we consume. So let me ask you this. When it comes to your soul, your heart, like the very center of who you are, the core of who you are, what, what are you letting affect that? What are you feeding on spiritually? What is nourishing the deepest part of who you are? Not just the, the food you take, although that can definitely impact it. Not just the things you watch. But what are you, what are you reading? What are you thinking about? What's, what are you meditating on? What, is, what are you consuming that affects your heart? What are you feeding on? What fuels you? When you need a, a pick-me-up, when you are down, when you are discouraged, what, what lifts you up emotionally? What, what habits do you have in your day-to-day -day life, not just on bad days, but good days and all of them in between? What habits do you have in your life that, that are a source of, uh, of nourishment to your soul? What are you feeding on? What are you regularly turning to for energy and life? We just heard in the, the scripture reading a time of when Jesus was given a test. And essentially the, the test, the first test boiled down to this. What are you feeding on? What, what are you feeding on? The passage just before what we heard in Matthew 4, back in Matthew 3, was when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. And when he was baptized, a spirit descend, the, the Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And right after that, our, in our passage, we just read in, in chapter 4, the Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. And Matthew records three questions, three temptations that the devil gives him there in the desert. Lord willing, we'll look at one of those questions today and the next two over the next two weeks. And the first temptation was this. Jesus had been fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days. And Matthew 4, 2 says he was hungry. <laughs> like, talk about understatements, right? He's, he's hungry. He's hungry. And the devil came to him and basically said this. I, I know that the Father just spoke from the sky. And He just said, you are His Son. I know that. I know also, because you're the Son, you have the power to turn these rocks into bread. You, you, you've been out here for a long time. I've been watching you. You've been out here a long time. I know you've got to be hungry. So let's just solve your own problem. Like, this is easy. We, we can solve this, the devil says. Just turn these rocks into bread. You eat the bread. It's problem solved. Right? That, that sounds so logical. That sounds so simple. And devil's temptations are always that, aren't they? They always seem so, so logical. They make so much sense when you word it that way. But this is what the devil was actually doing. What Satan was really asking was, what are you going to feed on? What's going to nourish your soul right now? What is it that you are depending upon? What's going to sustain you? What's going to strengthen you? What, what power are you going to rely on? You can rely on your own power, your own strength, your own will, or 
you can continue to rely on your good Heavenly Father. Of course, Satan didn't ask it that way because that'd be a lot easier question to answer. He asked it a different way. He didn't want to ask it the easy way. Why don't you just turn this into bread? And Jesus' reply was astounding. The sky had just parted for him. This is Jesus. He could have said anything he wanted, and we'd have thought it was amazing, right? And you know what he said? And not just the first time, all three times when Satan tempted him, all three times he said, it is written. This is, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God. Like literally anything he would have said would have become Scripture. It was going to be written down for us. And yet he quoted What's what we call the Old Testament. He quoted God's word. Jesus, in his moment of trial, of temptation, of struggling, of needing something, of having hunger, said, this is what fuels me. This is what feeds me. This is what I am relying upon. It is written. God's word is his fuel. God's word is was his, his food. God's word is what he was feeding upon. And as we start 2022, a week late because I was supposed to say this last week, but you know, you got it. As we continue in 2022, I want to encourage you the same way. The thing that, that fuels you, the thing that you feed on, the thing you rely on, on good days and bad days, on days when you're struggling and you need to pick me up, on days when you're just going about your day, just regular habits, what, what's going to fuel your life? Is it your own will, your own power, your own ideas? Is it news media? Is it social media? Is it diets and exercise plans? What, what is it that's going to sustain you from now, if the Lord tarries and doesn't return, between now and January 2023, 2024 and 2064, whatever it is, is it anything other than the Word of God? Or is it God's Word? Jesus' point to where we can find true fuel is we look to see what was written. What was written. If we look a little closer at these, these three quotes the next three weeks, starting with this first one, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. So Satan had said, If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus' reply starts this way. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone. Satan said, you're hungry. Just eat. Jesus says, you, you know, he says, we, we do need bread. We don't live by bread alone, but we do, we do need bread. It's just not, it's not the only thing we need. Humanity, man, mankind, all people need Food to live on. But there are things even more essential to our life than to food. It's helpful to note Jesus doesn't say we, we don't need bread. We do need bread. We have an earthly body. Jesus had an earthly body. And when we read Jesus was hungry, it's not Matthew just stating the obvious. He, he's telling us, he's reminding us of Jesus' humanity. Jesus has been where you are. He experienced the human needs that we have. He hungered and he thirsts. So he says, yes, we, we do in fact need bread to live on. God designed our bodies that way and he did it for a purpose. He did that for a purpose. Our, our culture probably has the opposite problem. We, we eat too much, so we don't probably think about the need for food very much. But if you think about how, how often our bodies need food and the number of calories we need, you know, 2,000 calories or so is kind of the general estimate for a person. 
And if you, if you haven't felt the need of that in a while, then you don't, you don't pay grocery bills for a big household. <laughs> BJ and I just happened to run into each other. We both were picking up five guys Friday night for our families, and we were both commiserating about how much you can spend for a brown paper bag of hamburgers when you're feeding five or six people. Like, food's expensive. We, our bodies need, and that, that was one meal. Like, the kids woke up hungry the next day. Like, I just fed you, you know. Just fed you. We, we are needy people. Our, our bodies are built in a way that we need stuff. Like, we can't stay awake for, very, for more than, you know, 16, 20 hours maybe, right? Or we fart, start falling apart. We need we need stuff. We are, our physical bodies need food. We need water. And the point of that is that he's teaching us something. He's teaching us more than just about our physical bodies. We need fuel. We need external things to keep us going. And Jesus says, as much as, as, much as you need food, and even more so, there's something more desperate, more essential to your life. Notice he says, man shall not live by bread alone. What, what, I mean, we have food. What else do you, you know, you get nutrients. How is that not enough for living? Well, obviously, Jesus meant more than just breathing. He meant more than just physically continuing to have a heartbeat. He's talking about something more. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says, Is not life more than food? Or in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came that may have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about more than just breathing. Or Romans 8, 10, 11, he says, this is Paul writing to Rome. He says, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. This life is a spiritual sense. There's, a, there's a more to it than just breathing. And we need the Spirit of God. Or, or take John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Life. What Jesus is talking about, what He's quoting from Deuteronomy and what He's Fending off Satan with is there is more to life than just bread and food. He is about something greater, something more. Jesus came to give us true life, abundant life, and eternal life. To be truly alive is to have more than just food in your stomach. And that is the longing of every human heart. We, we yes, we enjoy a good meal, but we all long for more than just our basic physical needs being met, don't we? We have a deep desire for more out of life. We want our life to count. We want our life to matter. We want joy and meaning and purpose. We want an abundant life. And Christ says that comes from a different place. You need more than just bread for that. And amazingly, the way Jesus chooses to make that point to Satan and then to us is to quote the Bible, to quote his own word, to quote God's word, but from the Old Testament. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, which was Moses speaking to a new generation of Israelites out in the wilderness after they had left Egypt. So he was teaching that generation the story from a little further back in the Old Testament from Exodus chapter 16. The Exodus story is about how the people of Israel, hundreds of thousands of people, 
came up out of Egypt miraculously after God delivered them with the ten plagues out through the Red Sea on dry ground, out into the wilderness, right? And God had done so many miracles and he was physically leading them with a pillar of cloud, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they come out into the wilderness and what's the first thing they do? They grumble and complain and say, uh, how are we going to eat out here? It's not as if the God of the universe who created the world miraculously pulled them out of captivity, parted waters, got out to the desert, and God goes, man, I didn't think about food for these people. I never, oh, God, God had a plan. And yet they grumble and they say, what? We should have just died in Egypt. At least we had food there. They grumble and complain. They fail in the desert to continue to trust God. And what does God do? He shows grace upon grace. Even though they ask in the most rude, obnoxious, horrible way, he provides for them. And what does he provide for them? Bread. He provides for them bread. But he does it in an amazing way. Every morning when they get up, as the dew evaporates off the land, there is this flaky stuff that's like bread. And they call it manna, which is a Hebrew word for what is it, because they don't really know what it is. And they gather it up, and it's this sweet wafer-type bread that has, tastes like a little bit of honey in it. And they, they have enough bread for the day. But then he told them this, he said, don't gather more than you can eat today. If you gather more than you can eat today, it will, it will have worms in it and maggots in it by tomorrow. It won't keep. What do they do? Of course, some people go and they gather too much, and sure enough, it grows worms. And what he was teaching them was this. You have to rely on me every single day. If you think, oh, God's provided today, but I don't know what he's going to do tomorrow. I better store up some extra. It didn't work. It didn't work. God was teaching his people something more than just bread. He was teaching them about more than just bread. And the food you eat today is about more than just bread. Jesus quoted the second half of Deuteronomy 8.3, but that verse starts this way. Moses is speaking to the Israelites. It says, and he humbled you, humbled you, and let you hunger. God, God puts the hunger pains in your stomach for a reason. He humbled you and he let you hunger and fed you with manna. He fills those, those hunger pains. He solves them for a reason. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You and I, just like the Israelites did, just like every person who's ever lived, we live every day dependent upon the grace of God. Day by day, we are dependent upon the grace of God. The air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, the shelters over our heads, the jobs we have, the ability to do the jobs we have, the family we have, the cars we drive, everything we have is a gift from the Lord. It's true for everything, not just the wealthy. Every, time we, every, every moment we have in life, of life on this earth is a gift from the Lord. Let me tell you what those gifts are not intended to do. They are not supposed to be like a, a, a spoiled child, a greedy child, who unwraps a Christmas present and ignores the giver and runs out and plays with them. All the gifts we have, from bread to this building to the air we breathe, jobs, families, all of it is a way for us to turn to God and say, thank you. It's a way for us to continue in relationship with God. Every day there are billions of people around the world, enjoying the gifts of God 
and completely ignoring God altogether. May we not be one of those. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone because he's saying the gift is not the final point. Bread is a gift. He, he didn't say man doesn't live by evil alone. That, of course, isn't true. But even the gifts of God are not the final point. The giver is the point. Even the gifts, the good things, are not the final point. We are so thankful for our loving Heavenly Father. And the gifts remind us we depend on Him every single day. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our ultimate source of life is not the gifts of God. It is God Himself. Not just the good things that He gives us. We, are giving, we can give thanks daily for the bread we have as a way of continuing in that relationship, of praising Him, of thanking Him for what He's done. That's God's message to the people of Israel, and that's our message here today. Were we to wake up every day fully aware that if we, we, we're to wake up every day fully aware that if God does not put food before us, we won't eat. Just because we have pantries, just because we have bank accounts, doesn't make us any less dependent upon God's daily grace. We are still just as dependent on God. Jesus knew that, and actually Satan knew that. He was just trying to tempt Jesus away from that. But we too know that we do not live apart from God's daily grace. Every day we depend on God. So I wonder if in 2022 you can depend on God. What does it look like for us to live each and every day aware of our dependence, knowing that apart from His grace we have nothing? What will you look to for fuel? What will you look to for energy? What will you look to as the thing that will sustain you? Only God Himself can sustain you. On good days, bad days, every day in between, only God Himself can sustain you. Maybe you can look around at life and say, Man, I've got some good gifts from the Lord. I've got good things. I've got family, job, whatever else you've got that's good. Are those things gifts from God? Or do you treat them as your God? Are the good things that God has given you a, a thing that, that has furthered your relationship with Him? That you are more grateful? That you are more dependent upon God because you recognize the gifts you have? Or do you, do you take the gifts from God and run out and ignore the giver and say, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the bread. I got bread. What else do I need? Are you enjoying the gifts or are you celebrating the giver? If the gift was taken away, would you still be able to celebrate the giver of life? Could you still enjoy a relationship with God? Do you know Him? Are you in an ongoing relationship with the Lord? Are you dependent upon Him day by day? If so, then we should hang on His every word. We should hang on every word, everything that comes from the mouth of God. Every word. We want to hang on it because we want to know Him. We want to spend time with Him. We want to know Him better and understand what He's like and and walk with Him day by day. If we're dependent upon Him, then He is our life source, and He is the one we depend on. God has made a way for us to have a relationship with Him, which is in itself an incredibly gracious gift, that God would even allow us to know Him, much less to give us 66 books, thousands of pages, to know Him. We have so much grace from God. 
He has shown us who he is, and he's done so primarily through a book. As Christians, we are, we are people of the book. We are people of, of a book, a very specific book. That God has spoken to us to tell us who he is, and he's written it down. So that every word that God has given us, we, we can have it and know it and follow him. One commentator, Frederick Bruner, said, The deep famine of the world is a famine for the word of God. The deep famine. That, that's what, that's what's, we are malnourished because we don't have the Word of God. There was a, a leading church uh, writer back from the 4th century named Jerome. He said, if anyone is not feeding on the Word of God, that person is not living. If you're not feeding on the Word of God, you are not living. So let me ask you again, what are you going to feed on in 2022? What is your source of life? What is it you're going to depend on? What's going to fuel you? What's going to give you the, the energy and the, the sustainability? What's, what's going to keep you going? Is it your own willpower, your own energy? Is it a, a good gift? Is it bread? Is it your bank account? Is it your job? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? What are you feeding on? What do you look to for life? There is only one who is the author and the giver of life, and it's God himself, and he's given us his word. Well, let me encourage you. 2022, to be, a, to be a person of the book, to be a, a Bible person. Psalm 1, we heard a minute ago, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Psalm 19, so many good uh, parts of that psalm. The law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. There is nothing more valuable, nothing sweeter, nothing more sustaining, nothing more nutritious than God's word that we feed on day by day. Let, let us, let's be a people who live by the book and are fed by the book. Maybe you've been, you've been a Bible person for decades and you're like, I, I'm there, I'm there, I'm with you. Or maybe you're pretty new to this. Maybe, maybe not just hadn't been around the Bible a whole lot or just hadn't been in it much yourself. Here's my ch- where, wherever you are with the Bible, here's my challenge for every single one of us for this year. Make one step forward in your commitment to God's Word. Amen. Whatever that looks like, wherever you are, whether you've never been in the Bible or you've been in the Bible for decades, make one step forward to your commitment to God's Word this year. could do more. You could take five steps if you want. But take one. Take one step forward so you're at least moving in the right direction with God's Word. Whether you've never really been in God's Word or been in it a whole lot, pray over what that one step forward might would be. Now, I sometimes hesitate to give very specific things because I don't want to limit you. But I, I, today, I wanna, I'm going to give you a lot of them. You ready? I'm going to give you lots of steps. I'm asking you to pick one. You got it? Just one. Pick them all if you want. Probably not possible. But, but pick one. And I'm going to start with one I think you can do because you're doing it right now. I encourage you to make a commitment to do this, what you're doing right now, most of the weeks of 2022. You are listening to the Word of God proclaimed. Not because I've got any gifts. <laughs> yeah. 
but because of the power of this. You are here, I pray. Maybe, maybe you're visiting. Maybe you don't, you don't, you're just figuring this thing out. But I'm telling you what the, the authority we have as Infinity Church is nothing to do with infinity. It has everything to do with God and that he has spoken to us by his word. We know the God of the universe and we are committed, whether it's me or Dan or anybody else, God's word we proclaimed right here 50 more weeks after this today, after today in 2022 at 1030. We are going to be preaching God's word somehow, some way. No, you probably don't know this. I'm going to tell you this, but I have right here John 12, 21. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. We're going we're gonna to proclaim Jesus. This is my reminder to me. That's what the disciples, people came to Philip asking to meet Jesus in John 12, 21. Right here, every week, we're going to be proclaiming God's word and proclaiming the goodness of God. If you want to take one step forward in being committed to God's word, be committed to be here as often as God allows. And, and maybe the step forward is not just coming, but coming eager, coming ready, coming anticipating. You know, I, some people don't like outlines. You don't have to use the outline, but I put it there in case you want to be a note taker. If that helps you take notes and pay attention, then that's something you can, you can do to be active and engaged. Or even better, you want one more step? I, I almost always preach a series. Like next week, I'm preaching the next question that the Satan asked to Jesus. Study ahead. Be, come, come having already spent some time in God's Word, understanding where this is, is so, that, so that when you come and we talk about this together, then you're ready and you're prepared for being in God's Word. Make, make, maybe your next step is one step further being committed to this moment, being under the preaching of God's Word and excited and anticipating the proclamation of who God is through His Word. So that's a public, corporate way. But maybe your step is, is personal. It's, it's individual. It's the way you spend time in God's Word on your own. And that can be really intimidating for people who have not started out there. And I get that. I understand. The Bible's an old book, and it can be confusing at times. But many times it's not as confusing as we think it is once we get into it. Amen. And so start really simple. Pick a time and a place that you're going to sit with God's Word most days, maybe five days a week. Monday through Friday, you got the same routine. I'm going to be sitting right here this time, this place. May keep it really simple. Read one chapter of a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pray before you start asking for God's help. As you go through it, pray asking, what does this teach me about God and how am I supposed to apply it? Maybe write those things down in a journal and then pray that God would actually apply those things to your life. You'd be amazed at what God can do with just a little bit of time in His Word as, he, as you let Him speak into your life and transform it. You know, you can read the entire New Testament in one chapter a day, five days a week, in one year. 260 chapters. You can make it through the whole New Testament very easily in 2022. Start small if you have to. If that's one step forward, then do that. Or maybe if you've been in the Word of God for a while, or maybe, maybe you need a devotional book to come alongside you and help you through that. That, that's a, that can be a good thing. But maybe if you've been using a devotional book for a long time, the step forward you need to take is to not use the devotional book. Just spend time with you and God. And that can be kind of hard. I like devotions. devotions are, devotional books are like, like a good friend who, who knows Jesus coming and sitting down with you at your table and putting their arm around you and say, hey, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus so you can understand his word. And that's a great thing. I was grateful for the people that introduced me to my wife. I came and, hey, this is my wife. But eventually, I needed to just spend some one-on-one -on -one time with her, you know? Same way in your walk with the Lord. It's great to use other books, but 
but get to know him on your own. Spend time in God's word. Same with good Christian books. I love, I give books out all the time. I love good books. But if you got to pick one, read the Bible before you read other books. Take one step forward in spending regular time in God's word. Maybe if you are, a, a, I've been in this, you know, you, maybe you're thinking, I've been in doing this for decades. What step forward? May, have you read it all in a year? Maybe that's your step forward. Or maybe you say, I, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to read really deep in a couple places in 2022. I'm going to really understand the book of John or something. I'm going to read it so deeply in this year. Or maybe memorization is the step forward. We give one verse a month. Maybe you do one a week. Maybe you want two a week. Whatever it is, you make a step forward in being committed to the Word of God. There's corporate, there's personal. But let me give you one more. And if I had to pick one, nah, I'm not going to pick one. This is a good one too. They're all good. At the end of Matthew 4, Jesus calls together a group of disciples. And he says, follow me. That group, they get added to as you go through the book of Matthew. But that group stays with Jesus for about three years. Jesus dies. Everybody scatters. He resurrects. He brings them all back together. And in Matthew 28, he says, go make disciples. They were disciples. They followed Jesus as a group together, following him around. And then at the end of his life, he said, now go do that for other people. Maybe your step forward in your commitment to the word of God is to say, I'm going to be a regular part of a smaller discipleship group of some kind. I come on Sundays. I'm reading the Bible on my own, but I need some people around me that we study the Bible together. That can take any number of different forms and fashions. But we have said for the last couple of years in, in different places and settings that as Infinity Church, we want to be a group of people who have a culture of discipleship, meaning we want the DNA of our church to be we are regularly involved in helping people who are new to the Word of God grow in maturity. And the Bible gives us a, a model for that. Just what I said from Jesus. He took people and spent time with them for three years and said, now go do likewise. We want every single person who is involved in Infinity Church. I'm not even a member. You don't have to join a member. You don't have to be a member first. Like just anybody and everybody. We want everybody to be connected to a smaller group of people that is studying the Word of God and praying together. That, that it's not, it's not it have to be more complicated than that. Because we truly believe that when you are known by somebody and held accountable by somebody and studying together, that is the, the way that God so often uses to shape us and grow us and to mold us to be more like Jesus Christ. Now, some churches take a very centralized way of doing that. Like, hey, sign up online and, and they sign you, assign you... We're, we don't have the bandwidth or the intelligence for that. Here's what we do. Find people that you know, or you like, or you don't like, doesn't matter, and say, hey, do you want to study the Bible with me? That may feel like an awkward question, feel like asking someone out on a date. It's okay. We'll help you through it if we need to. We'll be happy to help in this process if you want. But just find a few people to say, let's meet together regularly. What works for your schedule? And let's study God's word and pray together. My goal is that if you've been involved in Infinity Church for six months, like that's the limit. If you've been involved for six months, I, I want to see that you're connected somehow in a group of people studying God's word together. Is that enough list for you? Corporate, personal, or in a small group, take one step forward in your commitment to the word of God. Because this is our life source. Knowing God, that's our fuel. That is what's going to sustain us. 
And if we're not helping each other do that, then we're, we're missing the point. Let, let me end with one more thing from Matthew chapter 4 because what I, what I hear, the, the voice in the back of my head is, that all sounds great, Philip, but just like I've tried dieting and just like I've tried going to the gym three days a week, I've tried reading the Bible and it's really hard and I've failed and I've fallen again. Why would I, why would I even start again? Let me tell you this. You have failed and so have I. We, we all have failed. And here's the the good news out of Matthew chapter 4. Where we fail, Jesus has succeeded. Where we have given into temptation, Jesus resisted temptation. And he did it on our behalf. The encounter between Jesus and the devil, the details given here are not random. They're they're not just, you know, how it happened to happen. God, of course, is sovereign over this. And it was meant for a very specific purpose. The exodus happened where the nation of Israel came through a body of water, the Red Sea, and went out to the wilderness and had a test, and they failed, right? Jesus, here in Matthew, comes through baptism in the Jordan River, and he goes out into the wilderness. And what does he get there? A test. And that test is from Satan, who does the same thing to Jesus that he did to Adam and Eve in the garden, is that he takes the Word of God and he twists it. But where Adam failed... Where the nation of Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. And the way he did it was he resisted the devil by relying on God's word as his foundation, as his stronghold, the thing that will sustain us. And we all have failed. But praise God, Jesus won. And he won for us. He won as a man who was fully human. He won as a man who was hungry, like real hungry. And he did it so that we who are humans could have his victory applied to us. You may face the temptation from the devil that says, you call yourself a child of God, and yet how many times have you failed God? Satan throws that dagger at your heart so many times. Let let me give you the answer. Let me give you a, a, a way to fight that off. You say, it is written, and then quote this, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Do you know what makes you holy, acceptable, beautiful in God's eyes? It is not that you read the entire New Testament in 2021, 2022. It is not that you have the most amazing quiet times every morning. It is not that you come to this service and you take the best notes and you send me emails with really thought-provoking questions and you go and disciple 15 people by March. That will not change your standing in the presence of God. You know what makes you holy in the righteous eyes of God, the cross, and nothing else. You can't add a single thing to that. When we come before God, we come as people who have failed over and over again. And even our righteousness adds nothing to Christ. He has given us all we need. And so he invites us now in the freedom, in the liberty that we have to come and to follow him. He has given us by grace the same bedrock God Himself, a relationship with God Himself, He's given us that bedrock to put beneath our feet so that even when we feel like we're falling down, He is there to hold us up because He succeeded where we failed and He's invited us to follow Him. Man shall not live by, by, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let's pray together. Father, what a blessing it is to know You, to have a relationship with the One who created the world, was rejected by his own creation, 
and yet loved us enough to send your son to die for us. God, what a blessing. What a blessing to know you. God, we praise you that you've given us your word, that you have given us a way for us to know you as you truly are, to understand you, to understand your heart, to understand what you're like, and to seek you daily. God, we confess that though we have had this word in our language from before we were ever born, God, you, we, we've neglected it. We have not spent time with you. And you love us anyway. What grace, what kindness. God, may your kindness lead us to repentance. And may we spend this year feasting on you, on the goodness of the gospel, on the grace that we have by your love. And may we spend this year dependent upon, not bread, but by every word that comes from your mouth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.